It's Mayor Thursday on the Andy Griffin Show. The mayor's here, ready to answer your questions and address your concerns. Exclusively on the Andy Griffin Show. Thanks for tuning in. I am Andy Griffin. So happy to be here. And I've got a couple of guys in. We're going to talk about them in just a second. I want to explain, though, why and what and everything. So uh, if you're a regular listener to this show, you know that usually the first Thursday of every month, we have St. George Mayor Michelle Randall on. Now, Michelle Randall, she's been vaccinated. She's had COVID-19. She called me earlier this week. She said, I'm sick. And uh, I said, well, what do you mean you're sick? You already had COVID. Because that's kind of what we think about now. When we, I'm sick. Oh, you must be COVID, right? You're taking a trip to China, right? So she said, I, I'm getting tested for COVID, but uh, I, I just feel terrible. I, you know, coughing and sneezing and, and the whole work. So she went in and got tested. The test was negative, thank goodness, for Michelle. But uh, she has instead bronchitis. So Michelle Randall is not here on this first Thursday of the month, but uh, called a couple of uh, friends of mine. Uh, I, I actually have an insight to uh, Thad's uh, executive assistant, and, and uh, we're able to get the, these two on there. I appreciate uh, Kenny Nielsen, mayor of Washington City, and Thad Segmiller, who is the Washington City attorney now, for coming on. Guys, thanks so much. You're very welcome. And whatever happened to the flu and... A cold. I know. Well, nobody. You know, <laughs> apparently, they're making a comeback because I know at least three people now who are sick, but not with COVID. Yeah. So it's coming back. What's up, Thad? Not much, Andy. It's very good to be with you on the radio again. And yeah, it's been a while. What, about a year, maybe a little longer. I think about a year. No, I think Thad, you came on when we when we first hired you back because you've been our judge. And uh, when we asked him to be our uh, when he was a new judge, that's probably been a couple. Of, I don't no, think I've no, had a, it was when he was an attorney. I think he came, didn't you? I haven't, I haven't done it since I don't think the so. attorney change. All right. um, but my best wishes to Mayor Randall. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I would, I would agree that bronchitis disqualifies someone from having to, you know. Talk on the radio. Talk on the radio. Seems, <laughs> seems like a bad fit. <laughs> yeah, good call there. Uh, again, the Mayor Thursday, Kenny, thanks for coming sure. in. Washington City is growing by leaps and bounds by like, leaps like and much bounds. of Washington County. And, right. and we'll talk about growth a little bit here in a couple of minutes. I thought maybe since we haven't had that on for quite some time and he's had a job change since then, we talked with that a little bit Absolutely. about that. Absolutely. Thad, excuse me, was the Justice Court for Washington City. Uh, did a fine job, made some friends, made some enemies. That's what happens when you're a judge, right, Thad? <laughs> I don't know if I made any enemies. No, I, yeah. I sure enjoyed working in the court system. You don't, you don't think there's a couple of people that you drop the gavel on that maybe don't like you right now? One or two, maybe? You um, know what? May I interject? <laughs> I have not heard, and usually your mayor Come on. I, Somebody's I, mad I, at him. I'm serious. <laughs> I have not heard somebody. A lot of people are mad at me. I just figured it well, was enough to go around. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my, my enduring experience was in a justice court setting. Folks show up. They had a bad day. They want to take care of their bad day. And we got a lot of thank yous and a lot of appreciation for helping them take care of their bad day. Well, and I know so, you had an amazing court clerk the whole time. So I sure did. I had, <laughs> but I'm, I'm a little biased. <laughs> Uh, but that was my wife, by the way. Uh, so Thad, uh, the opening came uh, open for uh, city attorney. And Thad had some decisions to make because you had some private practice stuff going on, plus your judge, your part-time judgeship. So you, you kind of were faced with this, where do I want to go with my career right now? Was that a, a tough decision for you, Thad? Absolutely. One of the toughest I've made. Um, I was satisfied with my work with Curtin McConkey Law Firm here in town. Mm -hmm. um, I was very much enjoying working with the Justice Court. But I've 
for as long as I remember thinking about what I want to do, I've always had a bug for local government. Really? And so I kind of quietly and, and cautiously made my application for the city attorney job, um, went through the process, uh, was, was again not 100% decided that I would accept the job if it became available. Um, this isn't publicly known, but it was um, took a little bit of a process to accept the offer eventually, mm-hmm. and then it, eventually I accepted it. One of my great mentors at the at the law firm, Tim Anderson, I went and talked with him and Good told guy, him yeah. told him everything I was facing, and he shared some personal insight with me that helped me understand that you know what I, I applied for it and I wanted it and I, I longed for it because it was a great fit for me. And my experience since then has been that I'm very happy and it's been a very good fit. Now, those who don't remember, Thad was actually on the Washington City Council when he got the job as the judge. So he had to step down from the city council to become the judge. And, of course, he had to step down from the judge because you can't be a municipal judge and the city attorney at the same time. So you kind of had to make some decisions along the way. Do you see yourself, Thad, uh, somewhere down the road, whether it's a year or five years or ten years, getting back into the political side of things? I don't know. Um, you know, I've got a family member that's thick into the political side of things. Sure. I've been thick in it at times past. I I definitely enjoy the political conversation. I enjoy the issues and getting to wrestle with, with you know, other other folks in the area that that are all trying to just, you know, look at things and do things a little better than, than maybe how it's going. But I don't have any political aspirations at this point. Okay. What will you explain your job to me then? Somebody says, "Oh, he, this this guy's a city attorney." What does that mean? What do you do on a daily basis? What's your maybe your main primary function? So, the city attorney is a pretty broad position. If you go look at the job description, it, city attorney job descriptions range from, you know, prosecution in the in the courts all the way up to giving legal advice to the mayor and city council. Okay. Um in our in our city, we hire a part-time prosecutor who does all of that work. So I don't do any prosecution. I oversee a little bit to that degree. Um, most of my work, and, and this is what I really enjoy, it's giving legal advice to the city council and the mayor, mm-hmm. um, giving legal advice to the city manager, and then managing all of the contracts and different disputes and, and just issues that come up on a daily basis of a legal nature. And so um, within that realm, you know, I'm, I'm reviewing plats that are submitted by development to develop our applicants and, and trying to make sure that those meet all of the, the criteria that the city finds necessary to approve. Um, I'm working on development agreements with different applicants that are hoping to get, you know, city council approval for their project. Um, we work closely with other cities on a regular basis, you know, with, with St. George city and Washington city, we've had, this year, just since my transition in March, you know, two or three different boundary line adjustments in different areas where the where the the respective cities are growing and developing, and there's a need to just straighten some lines, and it takes legal work and, and legal review on all of those things to just get it done correctly. Do you do you do deal with disputes of individual properties, or are you just talking about the city in general? Well, mostly disputes are, are folks that think that there's been something in a city process that they feel like was incorrect. That's what okay. I was referring to. Okay. So you've you've got to sort through the mud. Uh, it takes a special kind of personality to be a lawyer. You have to obviously have to know what, what you're talking about, and then you have to be able to sift through. I always call it the chaff or, or the, the, the clouds, the fog. You have to sift through all that and, and find the truth. That's not always very easy because sometimes the truth is relative, huh? 
It is, and and you know it's to do a football analogy because I I love football and All you right. know go Pine View. Ho- hopefully this is finally the year. Yeah, but you know you'll have a football play where the the result ends up being an interception. But if you go and slow down and break it down and see what happened, you know as the ball was hiked, and then what happened is you know the lineman moved what direction and the receivers. There's always a lot more detail than you recognize mm-hmm. when a dispute shows up and you kind of hear the first part of it. Once you dig into it, usually the details help you realize, okay, this is why this person's upset, and and usually there's a way to take care of that. Yeah, very very well said. In fact, I remember, I, and I'm a, you know that's my background. I'm an old sports writer. I remember writing a story about a kid who threw five interceptions in one game, and the next day the coach gave me a call at home and said. Uh, you know, why did you write what you wrote? And I said, well, you threw five interceptions. He said, yeah, but did you did you look at the interceptions, how they happened? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He said, well, two of them, receiver ran the wrong route. He said, two of them were just incredible, fantastic plays by a defensive receiver or a defensive player. And he said that the fifth one was really the kid, the only one that was completely the kid's fault. Yeah. And and so I was like, it was it was good perspective, you know, to, to to follow along with your analogy. It was good perspective for me. I learned a lot with that conversation from the coach. I just wish it didn't take place at seven a.m. on a Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah. So Andy, excuse me, on that story, did that team win or lose? They lost. Oh, okay. They lost. Yeah. If they would have won, it would have been a moot point. Yeah. True. Really. True. Well, and 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 it was the kid's first start, and he was a freshman. Oh. So. But you were uh, a tough. That was, that was a long time. I I was you know young sports writer thought I was going to conquer the world. You know how it goes. <laughs> You're still conquering so. the world. <laughs> well, sort of. <laughs> One phone call at a time. <laughs> Uh, by the way, folks, if you want to be a part of the show today, 673-5890 is a phone number. I know some of you are shy. would rather text in. The text line is 435-467-5842. We would love to hear from you. We're talking that with Washington City Mayor Kenny Nielsen. How big is the city now? Close to 33,000. That census just came out. What's the number? 33-something. Wow. Wow. Yeah, crazy, think- huh? I think when we moved in, we moved in to Washington City. I don't live there now. We've been out of the city for two years, but we moved into Washington City, I think, right around 99. 99. Or so, we were probably at around 10 to 15,000. 15. So. I think it was 15, 15 was the number. Yeah. And it's that, what, 35, did you say? Close. Wow. Real close to 35. Unbelievable. St. Yeah. George, of course, now at 95. Right. So uh, just it just keeps growing. Do you. Uh, a, a topic on this uh, program quite often is well, we're water versus growth, uh, water versus people. Um, do you do you get that a lot, Mayor and Thad? Do you get that a lot of people saying, "Hey, we've got to start balancing this. We've got to do something." Uh, what are your thoughts? We, I get that on a daily basis. Yeah. My answer always is, we've got to do everything in our power to find water whether it's Lake Powell or whether it's digging wells or whatever it takes for us to sustain what we're trying to attempt here and what's happening here. And it's a, it's pretty simple. We've, we've got to find water. You know, we, somebody I was hearing or reading something where somebody said, well, just dig your wells deeper if you don't find the water. I've heard that. Well, yeah. okay. <laughs> then we went to any geologist or hydrologist to kind of find where those water pockets may be. They're not just straight down in a in a simple aquifer. Right. I, I think that's a little naive to believe that, okay, let's just dig down 200 more feet. You've got to kind of move yourself around and find that water source. So it's it's there, but so, we don't know necessarily where at, at this point. Right. So 
Well, that's, that'll be an interesting story to follow sure. as we develop. Uh, I'll tell you, let's just hope for more rain. hurricanes yeah. in the Gulf Coast. Cause <laughs> that's this, right. This rain from Hurricane Nora was long and slow and and soaking. If we could get that once a week, we'd be fine. But, <laughs> but yeah, water water is, is in almost every conversation we have at the city, Andy. It's, it's in every transaction yeah. I look at, every development we look at. Um, and, and it's from, you know, where the mayor was hitting, which is let's keep developing and finding water. When I say developing, I'm not talking about houses. I'm talking about developing our water supply to, we need to press back on, on folks that want to develop and tell them, look, we, we don't think your concept for your, for your development and the way it appears to use water is not a good fit for our city. Hmm. And so sometimes the conversation is helping applicants see that. We don't, we don't think what they're proposing to do with water is something that we can support. And so it, it ranges from the two sides, um, and, and it's part of every single conversation. And, and I don't think that will ever stop because of where we live and because of the nature of the water cycle here. Water will always be the, one of the first issues on – well, it's, it is the, the eternal first issue on our, on our list of issues we need to wrestle with. Perhaps a little ironic. We live on a planet that is 72% covered in water, and yet uh, here we are just a few hundred miles inland, and we, uh, we're, ha- we're, we're struggling to find time. water. You know, and the second caveat to that is always conservation, mm-hmm. and we're, I think we're always trying to find ways to um, not punish you for overuse, but let's, let's give you the opportunity to bless you, if that's the right word, for your conservation efforts. You know, and I think it needs to start not only with us as individuals, but our commercial folks, our religious folks, you know. You look at a lot of grass out there that is pretty, but nobody walks on it, nobody uses it. So why don't we make that a more of a, a desert landscape because we're not using it? And let's give somebody a credit for, for taking that opportunity to, to reduce their footprint of water use. Yeah, good point. Uh, I think, you know, we, we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago about artificial turf. Uh, it, it right now is pretty expensive. If you get stuff right. that actually looks like grass and, it, and acts like grass, it, it's pretty expensive. Uh, we're hoping that eventually that comes down, the price of that comes down. So it's economically for, you know, if I, I have a house and a, four kids or whatever, if I tried to replace my grass with artificial turf right now, well, I, I couldn't right. do it. It would cost exactly me thousands right. and thousands of dollars. It's just not right now realistic. But hopefully somewhere down the road we can we can get to that point. We replaced a small portion of our grass uh with artificial turf it's like 10 by 14 so not not the whole thing we still have some grass in front but did you uh, put some holes in it and a little i I wanted to yeah (laughs) i wanted to my wife would not have that (laughs) though um but uh yeah i i think there are some definite answers out there kenny for for water conservation and i know people say well why should i conserve i've lived here for 35 50 whatever years uh why should i conserve so that you know, Joe's construction can build a condominium. That does, doesn't seem fair. You hear that one too, Kenny? Mm, yes. <laughs> Every once in a while? Every time when a conversation about water comes up, we hear it. And what's your answer? Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that because <coughs> I live in an area in Washington that for generations, I've, our family has owned water shares of irrigation water, okay? And... When we use it, I, we don't, my father doesn't, we don't usually use all the hours that we have available for us mm-hmm. because I, I don't have that much lawn anymore. And, and dad, dad's uh, 
got his nice little system that, that we do, and it takes about three hours instead of, and he's got like 13 hours. So why don't we take that water and, and allow people to, to utilize that too? I mean, it's secondary water. Why don't we take that? And Because um, we're looking at ways to utilize secondary water, as long as it's legal and as long as it fits within all the, the – there's a thing called the Virgin River Compact and other things that uh, people bring up to me about water and how we can use it and are we restricted. But I think that we're pretty much okay, aren't we, Thad, on something like that? Well, the, there's a whole state division, the Utah Water Rights Division, that, right. that if the if a city's wanting to, you know, make some applications and and change how they use their water rights, they would work through that system. And they're in that in that process. There's the state engineer and hydrologist and all sorts of outside professional technical input that would would feed into a, a what what we call a change application. And Washington hasn't filed one of those yet, um, and I don't think Washington's even. The city council hasn't even asked us to file one, okay. um, and so the the conversations the mayor's talking about is the mayor and the council have been trying to get out in front of the water issue and look at what our resources are and talk about ways that we can maybe utilize them more effectively for all the citizens. Can it's we, it's interesting right. your 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 question that you posed for that individual. Um, I think it's a very fair and a very real question, sure. and there's a lot of really. A, a really interesting current issues we can talk about right there. But, but for that person, I would say, you know what? The reason you should look at conservation is because the only reason you had a chance to use water yourself for those 40 years is because somebody before you also mm-hmm. sacrificed for conservation. Yeah. And we can go every generation that we've had people live at the, the, the settlers living here. We've had people that go and sacrifice life and limb to try and divert a channel and try and protect a water source. And it's our generation's turn to to look at the same way and say we're here to we're here to sacrifice, and and in some cases that means learn how to be more conservative with a water resource, and and if we do so, we can preserve a resource and and preserve a town where our kids and grandkids can move back and live as well. I, I remember hearing a story, and I don't know the exact location, but they had to dig a, a pretty long trench to get water the water that they needed so they could sustain life. And, and I thought, well, somebody said, well, it was a lot cooler back then. Well, actually, no, it was maybe one degree cooler back then than it is now. But it, that, that means it was okay. It was 106 instead of 107 or whatever. Can you imagine those pioneers and out there uh, trying to settle this land and having to dig, you know, dig this, this channel by hand? There were no machines back right. then uh, in the heat of St. George. It, it boggles the mind sometimes. Yeah, they didn't have excavators with air-conditioned cabs back no. then. Um, in fact, they didn't have excavators. Right. And some of our most wonderful history is history related to efforts of our of the settlers to, to produce and develop and conserve water. You know, and, and we still have some of our historical water features that remain there. They're wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites, and it's, it's not an easy one to get to. I'm not recommending that the listeners go approach this. But if you could go see where the town of Central diverts its water from the Santa Clara River, it's up in a deep gorge um, it's thick as can be with growth but they dug and created a canal that ran through a field of black basaltic boulders wow and above the canal is a a high slope of basaltic boulders and beneath it and and that was all done by hand and it's was such a feat that they haven't sent equipment in to change it (laughs) wow it's just it's just impressive what they accomplished and 
I think our generation should be grateful for what we've received, for the water resources that exist, and also should should be con- conservation-minded because I'd sure like my kids to be able to come back to town and have some water. If you've ever even tried to walk on those uh, those lava boulders, uh, yeah. uh, it's I mean they're sharp, they're jagged, you, they're, you can't get footing. It's and then to think about how they had to dig. I, you know, it's funny. I was talking with one of my kids when he was younger. It was many years ago. He's like, he's like, well, they got lucky. There was that that channel there. They could put the water through. I said, <laughs> no, no, the channel was not there. Somebody had to make that thing. And uh, yeah, just uh, like I said, it's amazing some of the sacrifices that you mentioned. That uh, life and limb uh, people people did so we could have what we have now. Uh, do you guys think that pioneers back then? Do you think if they could? we could get their opinion right now as they look into the future. Would would they be proud of what Washington and St. George become? I think they would be very proud of the seeds that they planted mm-hmm. to allow all of us to have what we have today. And, and I think that's an attitude that my, uh, kind of has slipped a little bit. I think I think we need to cultivate that attitude also, as, as Thad said. We should look at all the resources that we we can control and and we can improve and that we can make available for our next generation so that my kids can stay here and that my grandchildren can stay here and their kids can stay here. I think as we if we take that attitude, we become less selfish about, well, I want this and I want that and I'm mad because you're not doing this and we don't think the same you know, we look at our culture and we we don't seem to respect people that have other opinions. Yeah. And if, if we don't, if you don't think like, like I do, then you're wrong. And I think that uh, as we, if we continue to cultivate that, it's going to take us in a direction we really aren't going to like. You know, Andy, it's possible our ancestors would be unhappy to see that houses and communities and plants <laughs> all exist if you go if you go look at the ancient pictures they were pretty bleak this place yeah. yeah and and you know my my direct ancestors were involved with trying to divert the virgin river hmm. and you know they were a part of the group that failed a couple times because the mighty virgin and, and the forces of nature just was bigger and better than what they were able to accomplish sure um but at that time it's not it's not like they had a surplus of water that they were thinking, gee, we're, we're just going to use this so that, you know, in 100 years there's plenty. They were trying to eke out what they could get from the systems and the nature that they were encountered with. And if anything, I think our heritage here is every generation, we've never had a surplus here. No no generation, no mayor, whether it was this, this decade's mayor or the 1920s exactly. mayors, was faced with we've got a surplus of water. And so every every generation, we keep talking about it, we keep looking about at it, we manage it, and we try to do our best to, to stretch and properly apply the water that we're blessed to have. And then, you know, beyond there, we conserve and we try to sacrifice so that future generations can also have the same blessing. Looking beyond ourselves, I like it. We're interactive on The Andy Griffin Show. Call in, call in at 673-5890 or text in at 435-467-5842. Let your voice be heard on The Andy Griffin Show. Welcome back. I'm Andy. It's Mayor Thursday. Mayor Kenny Nielsen in the house. What's up, Kenny? Hey. Doing all right? I like also, that. House. House. <laughs> also got uh, Thad Segmiller, city attorney for Washington City here. Thanks, guys, for coming in. It's really You're great to welcome. have you here. Uh, you guys, BYU fans, we run BYU games right here on KDXU. Well, 
Do you remember two receivers, Mitch and Marcus Matthews? I remember Mitch Matthews, yeah. I taught him in primary. Yeah? Yeah. He's a Washington City kid, huh? No, he's an Oregon kid. We used to live in Oregon. Oh, okay. All right. And I'm a, I'm a Pineview fan and a BYU fan. I, I'll always stay true to my alma maters. And somehow the coach that I cheered for when I was a BYU student is now coaching at Pineview. And so I've just got Gary Crowden. all yeah. sorts of reasons to be excited this year for football. Is <laughs> that true? Yeah. yeah. Well, was offensive coordinator now. He was the head coach at, at BYU, and there was some really exciting years when I was a student there. And, yes. and now he's back at Pineview, and they seem to produce some exciting results too. He is an offensive guru for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I got a text during the break. Somebody said, it seems like Washington City has grown uh, has grown too fast. Uh, do you guys have a formula in place? Do you have, I mean, you get all these people, I want to do this. I, I'm, I'm going to buy this land and I'm going to develop this. I'm going to put in a shopping center. I'm going to put in a huge apartment or condo complex. Is there a formula in place or is it a case-by-case case thing? And if so, how do you evaluate those things? I think there's a combination of all that, Andy, you know. Mm-hmm. We have a fair amount of developers that come in and say, this is a project we've thought about. Here's the concept, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That goes between a, it goes to a committee that reviews it and says, well, maybe if you do this, this could work. Maybe if you do that, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the process is it goes to the, then it goes to our planning commission and then it goes to our uh, city council for approval. Uh, but any, way along there that could be hijacked for for a number of reasons you know i i'm in the construction supply business that's my real job and and i've always felt like uh, i don't believe really any project would really take off till i see footings poured okay and yeah. and those type of things uh, we've had several great ideas that have not come to fruition i don't know if we have a okay as soon as we hit this we're done type of plan. I know we've chatted about it, but I don't know if we really have anything of that nature, you think, Dan? Yeah, it's it's interesting because that's a, that's a commentary that is very common around here, mm-hmm. especially it seems like the longer you've been here, the more you feel like we've grown too fast. And, you know, sometimes, and I've been here a long time, not as long as mayor, but about as long as I've been on been around, I've, I've had an affiliation with, with, with this area and lived here. And... You know, sometimes we'll have a public hearing where we've got one group of residents that are upset that another proposal's coming up slope. And, mm-hmm. you know, I sit there and think, gee, when I was a teenager, I ran my dog where you folks' house are sitting that are now complaining about the next ones. And, right. And that's just the reality of an area that grows. You know, I one of my hobbies is I like to grow giant pumpkins, you know, the big boys. and, and Really? Pump- like oh, yeah. Really, really big ones? The big ones, yeah. And the, the really big ones. And I'll I'll text you a picture. I, I would like to see that. I've, That's pretty cool. I've grown a few, but part of the part of the goal is to make this thing grow as fast as possible without killing it. Right. And I'll draw an, an analogy. You know, sometimes you you grow your pumpkin so big so quickly that it splits and fails, or it rots oh, and boy. fails, yeah. or it breaks off from the stem because you you've grown that fruit so quickly that the stem can't support it. And I'll just say that we have growing pains absolutely here, but I don't think we've got any rotting pumpkins in any city around this area. We don't have any any fruit that have just split open and are exposed to the sun. Like we don't have any of those problems. And finally, I I, I don't know a city that says, "Hey, we want to grow by 25%." No cities have growth metrics. They just receive applications and try to process them and scrutinize them according to the processes that they built. And so, you know, cities cities wouldn't be concerned if growth slowed down 
Does uh, do you mayor and Thad? Do you guys have to say no sometimes? I mean, obviously do, but like, what is the percentage? How do you have a lot of people coming in and saying, "Hey, I want to buy this property," or "I've already bought this property and I'm going to develop it such and such a way." Uh, if do you have to say no? And if you do, what are what are the criteria? What what would make it so that you know you you would have to say no? Well, if it fits within the parameters of the zoning, okay, that is a, that's a that's a major key factor. To if a project could be approved or not, okay. It, and it, you know, as you know, it goes through the planning commission and the city council. We've had, in my tenure, we've had quite a few that have come and weren't willing to maybe change a little bit here, change a little bit there. So uh, there, the option was uh, thank you then, but no thanks. We we wouldn't want that business or that project in our community at this time. So we've we've said no. Maybe people don't feel like that, but we have said no to, to certain businesses. Do, do you open yourself up to lawsuits if you say no to a certain business? I, I remember driving down in Vegas, and we drove by. There was a, a a billboard for the Love Store, and I had no idea what it was. <laughs> I asked my mom, what is that? She Googled it. It's a store that sells, uh, for lack of a better term, sexual accessories. Intimate items. Yes. And and, and uh, I'm like, well, Vegas, of course, that, that makes sense. If the love store came to Washington City and said, hey, I, I bought this property. I'm going to build a love store here. You guys would probably say no, right? Because it doesn't right. reflect the community. But then would that open you up, Thad, to a lawsuit? Would they say, hey, you can't tell me no. I own the property. Well, I, I would I would challenge your probably no. Um, what we would do is we would look at the property, we would look at its current zoning, and the reality is, is Washington City, like all the other cities in the area, have a have an ordinance that allow sexually themed businesses. Really, but they, but it puts them within a zoning scheme within a zoning area, mm-hmm. and it says you know they can't be within a certain distance of other types of uses, and so so to say that it's not allowed at all is not the truth. Okay, but to say that it's been highly scrutinized and regulated through a zoning scheme that that's the process they would need to satisfy and so far in our area i'm, I'm not aware of any of those type of businesses um and, and i don't want to say that any cities have just told them absolutely not but but most of them have said hey yeah if you want to build you know next to our um our, our school zone or next to our our downtown zone or, or different things you know that use doesn't fit within our our zoning plan Interesting. You, you guys, I'm sure you both remember, uh, there was a time when there was a store like that in Mesquite. And the uh, church, of which I think all three of us are a member, would actually take turns going down there and picketing. Do uh, you remember those days? I do remember those days. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting times, and I, I, I honestly, at, at the time, I felt, I kind of felt like, as an American, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know that it's right that we should pick at them. If, if it's America, if they want to do something like that, fine, let them and let them fail, and because I think they would have failed, maybe even quicker had we not been picketing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not proud of that history. I, I wasn't old enough to participate in any of that, but yeah, I'm not proud of it. The, the reality is, is that store had satisfied the city of Mesquite's zoning zoning requirements and everything else and you know if where i come from if you're not a fan of a store you don't shop there that's how that's how you let them know that you're not a fan of them and i think that that's probably where it should have stopped right right all right exit 13 by the way washington city is Mm -hmm. uh uh, on the verge of exploding uh already some some growth there tell us about exit 13 a little bit guys okay exit 13 if you're not familiar with where it's at as you come into uh, St. George, Washington, St. George, through the split, 
past Hurricane. Washington Parkway. Right there you'll see um, the Maverick, uh, Terrible Herps, and the um, Black Bear Diner. Mm -hmm. Right now you're seeing some excavation going on north of the Black Bear Diner. I I believe that's another fast food restaurant that's coming in. Just north of that, uh, we have um, Stewart Medical is bringing in their medical uh, complex. The groundbreaking for that, I believe, is either mid-October or end of October. Now, I, I saw the press release on that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's an awesome thing. We've got another hospital basically coming. How, I, I had a hard time conceptualizing. How big is this steward uh, uh, hospital going to be? be? Well, yeah. I think they're going to build it in stages, if okay. I recall. Uh, I think it's the first stage will have a 44 or 50-bed unit. That's, uh, plus, that's not tiny. No, it's not going to be small, but it's not going to be the size of our of IHC. Right. So yeah, the uh, medical folks judge a hospital by the size of its beds, okay. which, you know, for for a guy like me that I'm just talking about how many beds I can fit into the house for the kids, right? Right. <laughs> but and and so it'll be a lot bigger than 44. The the building itself will be a much right. bigger structure than than 44 or 50 beds sounds. Um, and and of course those beds all have accessory rooms and different support rooms that support them. But but it'll be a it'll be a a, a legitimate full service hospital option. So and they'll have an ICU and and all that stuff. All that, all that. Operating you know, and operation room. uh, yeah. operating rooms. Uh, I know their their uh, ultimate goal is to build that as a campus, to where you could have uh, maybe assisted living around some somewhere. I think. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, you know, and all sorts of ancillary. I uh, you know like a. Uh, a florist, maybe you know, know or a, a drugstore, you know, a yeah. gift shop, things like that, like okay. like you see at a, a hospital complex. A couple of people have tried to call. Let's get them on the air. Hey, line one, what's up? How are you today? Good. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for calling. Great. Hey, uh, just a little correction on that comment about the porno shop down in Mesquite. Uh-huh. It wasn't that they were shutting down a business that has a right to be in the public, but that business lied on its application. Really? And it was, they were going to sell pornography and gadgets and clothing and that kind of stuff. So when push come to shove overnight, they brought in other buildings and we're going to start doing live sex acts on stage to be viewed. Wow. Wow. And that's where the community in Mesquite rose up okay. and said, no, this is not going to happen. And they said, you can't shut me down. I'm here. Mesquite's attorney couldn't do anything about shutting that business down because he had a legal right to be there. I, I, I can that's t- when we stepped up and said, we're going to help Mesquite. They came to us, the community down there. And asked for help, and that's why we were involved. Interesting. I, I didn't know that. I, honestly, I was a newcomer to the area when all this was was going on. Dad was too young to really know much about it, so we're going to blame Kenny for not knowing all the info. Kenny, that's your fault. Well, that's my fault. Here, here again is people trying to erase history, what happened, and that's not what happened. you got to understand the facts before you say anything, because the facts speak for themselves. Thank you. All right. All right, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Appreciate that. Let's go to line two. Hey, Seth, what's up? Have you had a wild, crazy conspiracy theory yet today? Uh, I, I was waiting for you to call so we could get one, Seth. Well, um, 
Now, Mr. Mayor, this may sound really crazy and that nobody would ever <laughs> do this, but let's dig a canal from Pine Valley down to Washington and flood the whole city and turn it into um, the cities like in Rome, uh, in Italy, where they run around in boats and gondolas, and you could have the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Like, like Venice, kind of, huh? Yes, and you, you can have a, an incredible tourist attraction that, that nowhere in the West could you have a gondola come up and cook you dinner. <laughs> All right. How, how would you propose we do that, Seth? Well, it's already been done. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, if you go to Pine Valley and uh, you access the National Forest, there is a, a trailhead called Mitt Moody. Now, Thad's our hiker in the group. Have you heard of that, Thad? Yeah, I'm a hiker and a water law attorney. Uh, there's no excess water at Pine Valley to put into any canal. That's no, 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 no. You're, 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 <laughs> this is 1850 or 18 or, uh, you know, 90, and the, the canal that you hike in is what the Chinese laborers did after they completed the railroads. They were building a canoe uh, castle. They were going to make Venice of the West in Newcastle. Okay. Okay. Didn't, now, of didn't course, out, there wasn't it. enough water, and it was a bad idea. But if you'd like to, you can hike inside the canal that was dug from Mitt Moody in that direction so that the long-range plans were to flood uh, uh, Newcastle and turn it into the western. Uh, just a little piece of history. You can actually hike in and walk in. And to think there were Chinese laborers uh, working their their hearts out to dig a canal right here in Utah is sort of a fun idea. Hey, well, yeah, and there was, you know, there was a Grass Valley Reservoir. A lot of people don't recognize that, but there was an actual reservoir called Grass Valley. It was supposed to store water and get it to Newcastle. There were, you know, and again, along my earlier thoughts, our predecessors did everything they could to find every drop they could find to 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 supply the people with the water that they that they that they really needed. Well, and, and, and it's still a critical situation today, and there have been people looking at this. Uh, oh, by the way, if you go to Mitt Moody, now, do you, you guys, do you go up to Pine Valley to the um, recreational area? Do you know they charge you money to go in there? Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to charge you money to go to Mitt Moody and uh, the Whipple Trail. So when you go through the gate, you say, I'm going to hike in the uh, Mitt Moody or the Whipple Trail, and they cannot restrict your access to the National Forest, nor can they charge you to do so. And the people asking for the money are actually contractors with a group. They're not, not a part of the state or the federal government. They're collecting money that they probably shouldn't be collecting pe- from people who want to access the national forest. Interesting. Sounds a little shady. I don't pay them when I go in the front door. Good idea. Thanks, mm-hmm. Seth. i got to get a commercial break in. Thanks for calling in today. Uh, we uh, Let's do a quick commercial break, guys. We'll finish up with Mayor Kenny Nielsen and Thad Segmiller, City Attorney of Washington City. I wanted to ask him if he's run into any 
interesting legal entanglements lately. We'll get to that. Maybe you can't even talk about it uh, right after we take a quick time out. I did want to mention Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney has been a sponsor of the show since its inception. Thanks so much to Joe for sponsoring the show and for believing in us and being a part of things. Joe Shoney is a loan consultant serving Southern Utah for more than 25 years. You go online and read his reviews. He's got nearly 600 of them and he's averaging 4.9 out of 5 stars. That's, That's some good reviews, folks. Check him out online. You can go to the socialsurvey.me website. You can also go to the Joe Shoney website, or you can just call them, 435-590-6300. It's Mayor Thursday on the Andy Griffin Show. The mayor is here, ready to answer your questions and address your concerns, exclusively on the Andy Griffin Show. And in case you missed the first part of this show, Mayor Randall is sick. She does not have COVID. She's already had it. And uh, she's got bronchitis. So uh, the mayor is uh, of St. George is out today. She's usually here the first Thursday of every month. But thankfully, Kenny answered his phone. And uh, I had uh, like an inside track on uh, Thad Segmiller's secretary assistant. Uh, and uh, we we're able to get uh, these fine gentlemen on the air with us today. Thanks for coming, guys. You're very welcome. Appreciate that. Any uh, anything that you can talk about that legal entanglement wise, uh, or is all that stuff? Ah, I can't really say anything. Well, it's I can talk a little more than I could when I was a judge, but yeah. but I'm not going to comment on anything that's current. Um, okay, I'll just state that you know legal entanglements happen every single week, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes it's the city moderating between two phases of an HOA and, and them trying to figure out how they're going to build their, their, their development. Right. So you're acting as a referee basically. Or, or they're thinking the city's supposed to come in and solve all their problems. And so <laughs> we end up in the middle of, of two phases, right? Sometimes it's city with city. Sometimes it's city against developer, but you know, one of the nice things, even though we've grown a lot here in Southern Utah, our legal community is still, still small town in the sense that, in big cities, they file a lawsuit first, and then they say, yeah, we'll, we'll litigate this for a year before we decide whether it's something we want to try and settle. And in our area, when attorneys get on the phone, there's there's still the prevailing attitude of let's see if we can work on this to avoid any expense and just delay any further than we have to. And that's a kudo to our, our legal community. We did have an interesting one, though, and it pertains to an earlier question. We had a real estate agent. And mm-hmm. the attorney show up and say, you know, we represent a person that's trying to sell their land and we're going to sue the city's pants off because they're telling buyers not to buy this property. And, and of course, that perked my ears up. I thought, well, that's not if, – if we're telling buyers not to buy this property, we've got some exposure. And so I went and dug into it, and it turns out there was a buyer that wanted to build a one-bedroom, one-bath apartment connected to a big, large metal building that would have six, eight bays to store all of his classic cars. And he wanted to do it on a piece of land that was zoned residential. And so that buyer went and talked to the city's uh, new building and zoning official and said, Hey, I'm wanting to buy this land. Will you let me do my project? And the, and the official said, absolutely not Hmm. that you're proposing is a use that's not residential. So I was able to take those details back to the attorney and the realtor and said, look, this is why they turned them down, and I support, I support that decision. You know, the cities have various layers of review of development for a reason, and, and if you're proposing to buy something that's going to violate the existing zoning, you should have been told the truth. You know, the city's not going to support that, that use in that location. So you, you weren't trying to tell people they can't buy the property. You were trying to tell people... You can only buy the property under these certain conditions. Yeah, or or you can buy it all day long if you want, but the the, the proposal that you're considering will not be approved, and so you'll you'll end up with a piece of land that the city's not going to let you do that on. 
You think about it, I mean, this goes to the core of, you know, of who we are and, and what government does. A lot of people will say, well, government has no business telling that person that. But uh, And then, okay, say I, I build my nice little dream home, right? And some guy wants to put a three-story monstrosity metal building next to me. Uh, it'd be nice to have a little bit of help from the city and say, no, wait a minute. Uh, you're going to kill my view. You're going to kill my neighborhood. So, uh, yeah, it goes right back to, to those types of things. Yeah, and it, it's really an interesting legal issue. The, the gentleman was smart enough, the p- proposed buyer, to put a you know a, a residential apartment there. But there's there's legal standards that you look at, and at the end of the day, his use was primarily for a large non-residential building. And and that made it disqualify within the zoning regime of Washington City. And and to the credit of our official that told him that right up front, he didn't you know waste any time or money buying land that would end up being problematic with the city. Awesome. We're down to the final minute, Kenny. I got a text. Somebody said, "Do you know yet what kind of cars they're going to have when that car dealership comes in? Exit thirteen. Have they announced yet? What I've heard upscale cars, nicer cars. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm thinking Jags or Ferraris or BMW. I don't know. All Maybe, the above. You all of them. All the above. So it'll be like That's a multi-dealer. The, yeah, Land Rover, BMW, Audi. All those things you drive, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what the plan is. Okay. okay. It's the upscale Lexus. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, believe it or not, we've uh, we've used up the hour. You guys did a fine job today. Thank you. Always good to be on. The closest the mayor gets to a Land Rover is he has some Land Rover golf balls that he exactly drives. Exactly right. <laughs> is there such a thing? Or? There know. will be. Thad <laughs> okay. Miller, Kenny Nielsen, thanks, guys, so much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. You too, Andy. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. Open Line Friday is tomorrow. I hope you'll join me then. Give me a call. I want to know what you're thinking about stuff like, I don't know, masks and vaccines. Why not?